If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Better Nation, welcome to a brand new episode of Better with Dr. Erica with your host, Dr. Erica. Now, this episode features Ashley Wynn Grimes, who is a black female entrepreneur, a registered nurse for more than 12 years, and an author and speaker. And we are embarking on a conversation around empowerment and even a little bit of conversation about the cannabis. Now, questions this episode will answer. What are some ways to find a path into entrepreneurship? What are some strategies to help busy professionals? And why does cannabis come up in conversations around health? And why is it here to stay? It doesn't matter your profession or gender. You can find inspiration in this episode, especially around self-discovery and finding the language to have an authentic conversation with yourself. Now let's go on to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey everyone in Better Nation, welcome to another episode of the hit podcast, Better with Dr. Erica. And you know me, I'm your host, Dr. Erica. I'm here to do just a little bit of quality time with you. Now, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I get to talk to the most interesting people that I may not bump into every single day of my regular life. And the great thing about it is I get to bring all of these great people to you. So I'm super excited that I do have someone that is great for you. Now, you probably didn't fast forward through the intro, so I'm not giving any new information saying my guest is Ashley Wynn Grimes. I mean, her name just sounds cool. Like, I just need to say it one more time. <laughs> Ashley Wynn Grimes. You can't see the little dance I'm doing with it, but there's a little dance. And it's cute, too. I don't know if she's had a dance done with her name. I have not. I have not. You're the first. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel all of the love. And all I can tell y'all is we're going to have a great conversation. Now, I'm going to let you know one quick thing. Um, I like to remind you this, these things because I have a wide variety of guests on. And sometimes they're entrepreneurs. I've had attorneys. I've had all kinds of people on. Um, since this is someone that does have some healthcare expertise, just reminded you that this podcast is for educational purposes only. Um, you know, if you paid one of us to actually be your health care provider. I love it. So, you know what we're talking about here. You know, if you pay me and you're actually one of Dr. Erica's patients, you can't go around saying Dr. Erica told me this is my direct medical advice. But rather than go all the way down the rabbit hole, which I've already started going on, let's go ahead and get this party started. So I already gave you my guest name. Her name is Ashley Wynn Grimes. And, you know, we started doing this around season two-ish 
of the me not reading bios because even though reading is fundamental and I'm very good at it, you know, you could check my SAT scores. They were the bomb. Oh. Is that I'm not reading full bios. It's not the best use. And plus, people can always tell you better about themselves than me reading a couple of paragraphs. I'm going to tell you a couple quick things, and then I'm going to let her take it away. She's a black female entrepreneur. You probably realized she was black because you saw the picture. But, you know, if you didn't see the picture, she black, y'all. Um, but that's not all that makes her special. <laughs> So she's a black female entrepreneur, has been a registered nurse for over 12 years, an author, speaker, and does all of the things. So Ashley, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yes. So um, I'm a nurse. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a black woman. We covered all the points that make me me. Thank you (laughs) so much. That is all. Um, No, but I have (laughs) been a nurse for 14 years. I've done all the traditional things that you think of a nurse doing. Eventually, I ended up in corporate for like very stuffy position, project mm-hmm. management, performance improvement, quality junk, like cost savings. Ooh, sexy. Yeah, very sexy. Ooh. Anyway, um, and what I realized is that it's not sexy and that it actually went against everything that I believed in. Like the numbers don't move me. It really is about patient care for me, right? And um, the reason why I found that out is because I happened to be the victim of cyber theft and realized that I wasn't taking care of myself. It took that event for me to realize that. And so I began to prioritize myself. And so that's when I ended up in entrepreneurship and the topic that I chose, my expertise happens to be cannabis medicine. Um, I speak about burnout, resilience, cannabis, wellness, health, all those kind of things. Uh, right now, my focus is uh, educating other healthcare providers on the power of cannabis medicine and how to build their own businesses in the space. So that's me in a nutshell. I will take all of that nutshell. <laughs> all of it. Um, but y'all, we gonna have some fun today. Yes. I just feel in a fun mood. Oh, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, y'all, y'all gonna listen to this on a Tuesday. If you listen to the day it comes out, but you know, we, we're hanging out on a Friday. So this is like the Friday party. And I have to say this, my birthday is on Sunday. So I'm Ooh. already like already there. So um, otherwise this episode is also known the turn up. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I'm here for it. So one of the questions I love to ask people when they come on the show is what is your favorite thing to drink? What's your favorite drink? Ashley. You know what? Hmm. That is an interesting one. Um your favorite drink? Like really? <laughs> well, I mean for I've had someone say their favorite drink was water. Personally, my favorite drink is green tea. Every once in a while, someone's favorite drink is something else. That's I mean, it. So- drinky drink. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm going I'm going across all so water is what I drink all the time during the day. But then if I'm hanging out, I might have a cocktail, but I don't have a favorite one of those either. Like, I like trying different flavors and, you know. That is fair. Okay. I mean, this is I, I this is what I tell. This is why y'all know if you want somebody like me is this is what I tell everybody. There are no right or wrong answers to my questions. You just say the best you got. So I don't have a favorite. I drink everything. Then that is fair. Yes. 
I am down for it. I mean, the good thing is there's going to be something you like anywhere you go. Yeah. How about that? How about it? How about that? <laughs> All right. So you you mentioned kind of going from traditional nursing into corporate and then realizing it wasn't it. Mm-hmm. How did you end up transitioning or what fully inspired you to transition from more traditional nursing jobs to entrepreneurship or did it happen simultaneously? It, it just is the way that my journey evolved. So I mentioned the cyber theft and that was kind of the, one of the big culminating moments where I was like, something's just not okay. How can somebody take that large amount of money out of my bank account and I have no control. But what was happening before that event was, you know, I'm conforming to corporate lifestyle mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't necessarily aligned with my ideology. And so it would come up often throughout that, throughout my career. This doesn't feel good. This isn't really aligning. What about the patient? You know, those are the kind Mm -hmm. of questions that made it seem like I was being rebellious. And when I had that event occur, you know, the whole world just kind of shook and flipped for me. And so while I'm experiencing a lot of like, post-traumatic-ish symptoms, I realized through therapy, through, you know, self-awareness, through meditation, through all of these holistic practices, that there's more than what I'm receiving. I don't have to take this linear trajectory through my my career to get to where I want to go. That's not necessary. Even though that's what's been taught to me, that's not necessary. And that's, and I know that that's evidence of the fact that this person lives in mm-hmm. Venezuela and can take my money at the drop of a hat. Like how, oh. how, oh. right? And so that transition, like that experience for me is a marked moment in time where I started questioning what was my reality and wanted to take back control, take back my power and decide to do something that I wanted to do. So I, I, know, I know you've mentioned this cyber theft as just this really, um, I don't know if everyone out there has seen Inside Out. Inside Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. Movie. And it always makes me think of those core memories. Yes. <laughs> this yes. sounds like a core memory. It is. I love it. Girl, you know, and I make my kids watch it. I'm like, let's let's talk about emotional intelligence, guys. We need to watch Inside Out. Like that's I know. <laughs> I like it here is that little music in my head and <laughs> joy popping around like yeah seriously and, and you know what and and I'll say this like if we're going to relate it to the movie that that breakdown of what once was into who I I'm becoming that was that was the core moment that you know transitioned everything now I have a ton of other new core memories or things that identify me for who I am versus what was before, you know? And, you know, I mentioned it's my birthday coming up. So it's a lot of like just reevaluating the year Mm -hmm. kind of think this time of year for me. And, um, you know, recognizing, because this was back in, I think, 2019 when this occurred. So four years now. And so a fairly recent memory, but I've done so much over the past couple of years but also so little at the same time. And I recognize there's so much more to come, right? 
And so um, I'll say it like this. I'm just thankful of my path. I'm thankful for my journey. And while that moment sticks out in time, especially when I'm sharing my story on a podcast like this, um, it's not what makes me me. And I, and I, I recognize that. I'm just, I just mm-hmm. gratitude all over the place. So I do want to ask one more question around that situation. How did it feel learning that someone did that level of cybersecurity? Because I, I get the feeling this isn't like when when you get locked out of Hotmail, but nothing actually happened. Yeah. No, so so how did, how did it really feel um, at that time learning someone apparently was doing the most from Venezuela? Girl, and she was in Florida. Like, I know a lot about this woman. We could never catch her. But um, it was a terrible experience. So if I could paint the picture through the eyes of me during mm-hmm. that time, the world looked gray. It felt violating. Um, one of the things I would say that nobody really could get is that I felt like I had been attacked. You know, it mm-hmm. was, it was, you ever been in a car accident and you just feel that muscle tension throughout, mm-hmm. like you feel that just very numbing pain throughout. And so you can't really say it's like my arm, you know, the joke about my neck and my back and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can't really say where the pain is, but you feel it through your body because of the violating effect that it has on you psychologically it still shows up physically. And so I was moving through my day when that happened, the world looked gray and my body ached all the time. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you've been honest about this or not really honest, open and transparent about the situation because one of the things that's huge and that comes up a lot of these conversations around change and pivots and growth and, um, you know, the the saying trauma to triumph yeah. <laughs> is, is that there are often sometimes we make decisions and, and move, make movement due to just forward inertia or sheer will like, Oh, I want to do this. But it's so common that you hear that there's something distressing or painful that kind of moved the needle. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we're able to have this conversation around that because I think for a lot of people especially over the last few years there have been a lot of lot of experiences that people have had that have caused them to have significant shifts mm-hmm. and and change and reevaluate identity and what you're doing and how you're doing it and shoot for a lot of people how you pay your bills but I guess if they did cyber cyber theft you're trying to figure out how you're paying bill, your bills too because some lady in Venezuela got your money girl Um, And that was a down payment for the house that we bought. That was the other crazy thing. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of times we're not paying attention, right? And sometimes it takes the big event to make us pay attention. And so I share it openly. I've done a lot of like just personal development work, um, to be able to share it. Cause it wasn't, it was a devastating thing. And so while I might not seem, you know, emotionally tied to it today, at one point I was. Um, but I also think that exposing those experiences are what help other people to recognize parallels in their own experiences. Mm-hmm. So that way they can make more informed decisions 
I think one of the beautiful things about like the internet, um, social media, things of that nature, we can talk about all the cons all day Mm -hmm. long, but one of the pros of it is, is access to various experiences to learn from and develop ourselves, which is why we're seeing such a a fast evolution of human design, essentially, Um, you know, from parent to child, generation to generation, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, for anyone who is going through a difficult time, yeah, let's acknowledge it. Like, I, I definitely want you to take your time to grieve whatever it is you need to grieve and feel your emotion. But I think there's a period of time that a lot of people, most people want to skip over, which is reflecting on the experience and making decisions, better decisions, um, evolutionary decisions and transformational decisions in order to realign yourself in the trajectory that you're intended to go. As they would say, that was a word. (laughs) But but I do want to pause on something because I think you said something really important um, over the course of talking about this period of your life is that there are so many times I've had conversations with clients or patients and you ask, if you ask the, the first question, you know, have you experienced any trauma? People are like, no, no. <laughs> then you start asking specifics and it's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and one of the things I love about having these kinds of conversations is it opens up that space for how many things you can actually experience as traumatic, that it doesn't necessarily have to be you were shot out or blown up in a war. It doesn't have to necessarily mean that someone beat you as a kid is until you had bruises. It doesn't necessarily mean that you were assaulted or raped. There are so many other ways people experience trauma Mm -hmm. um, from experiencing racism to women actually having a lot of reproductive health related trauma Mm -hmm. to being mistreated at work to being bullied even as an adult. I mean, there's just such a wide variety of things to having severe food insecurity. There's a a lot of space. And one of the reasons I feel like a lot of people don't even notice these things is a lot of cultures have been being traumatized and miserable has been normalized to the point where people don't necessarily realize that something could have been traumatic that walking home from school wondering if there will be gunshots is not the average person's experience but it may be the experience everyone in your neighborhood has so you don't think about it yeah so I I I appreciate the opportunity to start calling attention to people to really start thinking about what has occurred to you so that not only that does it become these moments that they may shift gears or you may reassess things, but also trauma shows up in other kinds of ways. So it's always important. That's why, you know, I, I'm good for saying everybody needs a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. And that's real. Um, and I think it's all based on perception. And I think that if you were to look at um, mass marketing media, that kind of thing, it almost defines what trauma is for people. And it doesn't acknowledge the the lived experiences of everyone, you know? Mm. And so for a lot of people, while they might experience what is a trauma response, I don't think the definition of what the event is, is necessarily what we're going to define as trauma. The trauma response is what we're going to 
used to quantify it as trauma, you know? And so a kid having, um, breaking their arm could be very traumatic versus an adult breaking their arm. Right. And so, you know, I'm from the school of thought. This is a very new school of thought, but I'm from the school of thought that we need to stop brushing all of the the things under the rug and pretending like our experiences don't matter, right? Because as individuals and as humans, all of our experiences matter. But unfortunately, because of what we're seeing, it's perceived as if the collective thought is the only thought that matters. And we ignore the individual thought, the individuals that make up the collective. And that's so important because one of the things I hear so often too is it's either you get lost in the collective or you undervalue or disregard what your experience is because of how you feel like it compares Mm -hmm. to the collective. Like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't shot up like this person over here. Right. You know, oh, I'm. Things aren't going well, but, you know, I can put food on the table. And I I think there's there's room and space for all of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the reasons we end up having a lot of conversations around trauma is also that trauma shows up in really creative ways Mm -hmm. over the life cycle. You just don't often see someone has had a significantly traumatic experience that they've integrated as trauma and then mysteriously all of a sudden it's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, so definitely make space. Um, you're valuable. I feel like that keeps coming up. Oh, really? Well, I was on, um, conversations with Nicole and we actually were talking about that and she's like, have everyone type in the chat, you know, I'm valuable. <laughs> yes. Do you, I mean, you would be surprised how many people don't think they are, though. I've had so many conversations recently just about value. What do you value? First of all, what do you value internally? Like, what are your core values? But then what do you value in your relationship? Right? All mm-hmm. aspects of your relationship. And you brought up a huge point about identifying, you know, you want to identify what you value and what your values are because that's going to help you with discernment of how to curate your life in a way that's actually going to feel good and aligned Mm -hmm. because a lot of the distress people are feeling is when you don't have a clear idea of what your values are or what you value in interpersonal relationships, be they romantic, friendships, family, Mm -hmm. your soror, you know, whoever it is. That if you don't have an idea of what your values are, it's going to be very easy to end up in situations that are not going to be aligned. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where we get these toxic relationships and we're not happy and all those other things that just kind of spiral out of control because now you don't have any control. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica, and this is me, Dr. Erica. Let's talk about what I have been up to. 
I recently attended the American Psychiatric Association meeting in San Francisco. It was so great catching up with old friends and colleagues along with meeting new people. Now, amidst all this fun, it still was bittersweet because the last conference that I attended with my good friend that passed away was this conference when it was last in San Francisco. I have memories of him everywhere and those memories sometimes inspire a ping of sadness and other times make me smile. Now, when I catch myself missing him, I think about the blessing it was to have so many memories and to have had so many good times together. And we have memories all over the country because we've been friends for so long. And honestly, I hope that I can make that type of mark on the life of others where they just think of me at random times and I pop up. But I, I don't plan on going anywhere soon, so I'm going to do my best to stay around here. Now, one of my favorite memories was us watching Frozen um, with his twins that were toddlers at the time. And they were playing and paying absolutely no attention to the movie. And we were glued to the TV. We were in it. Did I mention that Olaf is my spirit animal? I still smile every time I hear Let It Go. But all of this is just to say that my hope for you is that as you deal with grief and loss, that you are able to hold on to and remember those good memories of your loved ones and find peace and inspiration in them. So now back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. So how I know you you talk to people a lot about kind of assisting professionals um, become more resilient. How what are some things you think that are really helpful? with people becoming more resilient and being able to nurture resilience? Uh, it's, it's a, I call it a muscle. Um, almost like a superpower that you build up over time. So like when we see Superman, Superman is just endowed with his flying capability and we just kind of like expect him to just fly. But I think we all have the ability to fly, but we have to practice right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to resilience. Um, I think the first step is recognizing, we kind of talked about it already, but recognizing what your values are, what's important to you and not ignoring you is the first step that takes time. So doing an assessment of your environment, your current situation, what you're experiencing, what do you appreciate? What do you value? and, And what makes you feel good, right? Um, being able, and then based on what you've determined on your assessment, being able to create boundaries for yourself. I no longer want this relationship. Mm -hmm. I no longer want this situation. And then making a plan to reconfigure, right? So I'm not going to be here anymore. I want to be here. I don't want to engage in this relationship, you know, going through all of that. And that that also takes a ton of time because you can't just flip your life upside down because you're like, I don't like any of it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so being patient with yourself and prioritizing and being okay with the fact that I'm in a situation that may not make me feel good, but it also makes me who I am, right? I personally find journaling very, very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be the traditional form of uh, journaling. Cause we have all these rules for journaling too. You know, you got, you got to write it every day. You got to, you know, start off with this prompt, that prompt, whatever it, it can be on your own terms and whatever makes you feel good. It could be a scribble that you intend to mean something. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, the other thing that has been really helpful because at one point I thought that I had no time to write in a journal, like I'm just way too busy to do anything like that. Um, spoken word, doing voice recordings, just talking to yourself. How do you feel about it? Right. What's going on in your life that's making you feel good. Do you have an emotion? Recognize the emotion, right? So a lot of it is just being able to create or um, take yourself outside of yourself and observe your experience. And then you'll be able to make a plan for building up that resilience muscle. Mm -hmm. I love what you said. Now, I want to make sure that the people in Better Nation get a couple points out of that. Okay. One is that I I noticed you you really started with acceptance, that at some point we just have a good friend of mine who's been on the podcast, Azizi Blissett, talks about isness. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it just is what is. Yeah. Um, so being able to, and I want to separate out acceptance and being comfortable or happy about something are two totally thing, different yeah. things. Acceptance means that you can accept that it happened and face it. That does not mean you have to be happy or comfortable with it. Right. And then I noticed you talked about being able to identify your values. Then you shifted to talking about journaling and self-reflecting. And then mentioned also even using spoken word and speaking aloud. And those remind me of a few things um, I talk about with my listeners about the better 77 essential things um, and skills that are really important to really have that life to be better, do better and live better. And I love that this kind of comes around to self-talk of what are the messages that you're giving yourself? What are you telling yourself about yourself? And we are so critical. It's so easy for you to be really critical of yourself. Um, And to me, that self-talk is really important, especially when you're talking about resilience of making sure that your self-talk isn't typically around shame. Yeah. Because part of the reason you have to be resilient is something happened. It's hard to get over something if all you do or get past. I don't always like to use the term get over because there are some things you're not going to get over. You're going to find a way through or past them. Mm -hmm. Is that there's so much shame and criticism in people's self-talk and shaming yourself is difficult because one of the things you heard in Ashley's narrative is she had, we didn't talk about a whole life, but we did talk about that core event of that cyber theft causing her to reassess things and then reevaluate and shift and take action. And part of working with increasing your resilience is at some point we have to have some action steps in there. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. another one that people miss all the time. They be listening, 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 and not doing nothing, nothing, nothing. No, no or, or they be like, <laughs> I wrote some affirmations. I want, I want a better life. I want right. to make more money. I, I want, I want the man or woman of my dreams. Right. You know, I, I want the best house out there, and be like, what you do? I've been on the couch watching Netflix. Yep, imagining it. Visualizing. You know, it's it's great to visualize, but you know, to get there, you have to visualize with action. Right. Um, but it's it's important because the thing I love about resilience, and there have been so many conversations about resilience, is resilience can be built. Yes. You know, it's not, you know, you're born with a certain amount of resilience and good luck. Yeah. Good luck with what you got. 
Um, but I, I do think there's so much power in finding ways to harness self-talk. And she also mentioned journaling and journaling out of what we talk about. Typically that is, um, that silence, that quiet time. And a lot of this all comes up into, I, I put it in this little ball. Yeah. Is part of the reason you're getting quiet is to be able to work things out in your mind or your heart or to also receive and be able to listen to your intuition. So to be able to receive whatever is being communicated to you from your respective higher power or the universe, but also to have enough quiet time to get a sense of what you really want, because sometimes the noise is so loud, it's hard to identify what you even want or what your what's at your core, what makes you you, if all you hear is the noise. Yeah. And we have, we have an abundance of noise. Yeah. And we're so busy and we're distracting ourselves and, you know, all the things that are outside of ourselves. So taking, you know, even like just 10 minutes to remove some of the distraction and just be with yourself. I mean, highly transformational because then you get to listen to the pathway of thought for 10 whole minutes, you know, and to not judge it and to be okay with it and maybe even to slow it down mm -hmm. so you can interpret it. And how do you feel like those times, and it may not simply just be the cyber theft because I feel like there were things leading up to it. You weren't mm -hmm. really, you weren't really feeling what you were doing. Yeah. 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 How do you feel like, what was your distress level with what you were doing and what do you think helped it get to the point where you realized this isn't comfortable? This ain't what I want to do anymore. It was this one time. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a nurse by, by trade. So the patient is always on the mm. forefront of how I operate. Um, that's how I've been trained. And so here I am in this corporate position. And I remember getting a project related to some stents and, um, it was my job to help reduce the cost of these stints. And so for me, it was really important to understand the evidence for particular stints and then be able to prioritize based on the evidence that supported its use. But everyone else around me said the priority was actually the cost of the stints. And so I was sitting there and I was very confused. It rubbed entirely up against my core values. But I remember saying out loud, that's not what I believe. But if that's what you're telling me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And then so there were multiple moments that looked like that in that particular position where I had to sacrifice my own core values in order to perform in this particular position. What do you think was the turning point that was like enough is enough? So after the cyber theft, because I was so dysregulated emotionally, it was no more, no more sacrificing happening. Okay. <laughs> it was just nothing else that was willing to be okay with what was being presented to me. Okay. So do you hear that y'all? Sometimes we make moves because we don't have the capacity I'm trying to think of the nice way to make it sound nice. I had no time for that. There's no like, like there's, a, there's a time where what is pushing you to movement is the fact that there's enough distress or discomfort in what you're doing that you want, you don't have a desire to tolerate it anymore. So kind of like, try to think of what cartoon that was. Was that Popeye? There was like, a, I can't, 
I've had enough. I can't stand no more. There was something he used to say. I, y'all, y'all are getting all my brain today, and it's it's doing special things. Gosh, now I'm gonna be on Google trying to find this stuff. Um, but a lot of times, one of the conversations we end up having having is what are these different points that push you to sh- shift into things that are gonna feel better for you ultimately. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the emotional currency that you're spending doing things that aren't aligned or don't, don't, don't bring you joy is painful to not only your mind, but your body. Mm -hmm. So I would love to take a moment now, because we talked a lot about values and aligning while you were doing all of this work. Cause I know you talked about a variety of things that all happened among kind of wellness, mindfulness, therapy. My suspicion is without asking, there probably was some coach somewhere in some of this too. But what did you end up settling on? What is your purpose, at least for this season? Um, I feel like my purpose is really how far can I expand? Mm -hmm. Like, I think... I feel like for so much of my adult life, it has been very constrictive. I had to watch what I said. I had to pay attention to my emotions. Oh, my emotions are too big. You know, all of those kind of things that was kind of closing me up and putting me into a box to fit. Right now, I live in a space where I've discovered my voice. I have discovered things that I do well. So how far can I reach? Oh, I love that. And, and I love what was sounded like was in the middle of that was authenticity. Yeah. Of having the space and freedom to authentically be yourself and to manifest your person, your purpose at the same time of being authentic and true to yourself at the same time. Yeah. And I'm let me tell you something. I ain't never felt this before, but this is great. <laughs> It's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and one of the things I want to remind all my listeners out there in Better Nation is, you know, we talked about this when Ter- Terrell Fletcher was on here, is that life is in seasons. Mm-hmm. So what what fits one season doesn't mean it's bad if you need something else. It's, it's just that it, this typically is a continual process mm-hmm. of reassessing and seeing where you are, how you're feeling. And part of the reason I think it's so important to be able to have whatever version of quiet, mindful time, if you're someone that actually you're, you do better with act, more act, active mindfulness, like walking, exercising, running, swimming, dancing, whatever it is, but whatever is going to get you in touch of really being able to intuitively understand what your needs are. Yeah. And then being in the point and the place to be able to, one of those better seven is support, to figure out what is the support that you need to actually get your needs met. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of energy trying to get your needs met, number one, on your own. Facts. I mean, we were literally having a conversation with some of my girlfriends. We were all together, and we are talking about the fact that sometimes our clothing choices as single women are dictated by, can you actually zip up and put the outfit on by yourself? That, that is so true. That there are times like, where I'm trying to zip up and I need somebody to come and help me get dressed. 
Yeah, and you're like, well, you know, is this going to be something that is, am I going someplace where I could walk in, have a jacket or something on, and dress half under? Right, right. <laughs> it's just trying to make sure you have the support you need to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that is that is so important. And a lot of times there's this thought that you have to be able to do everything on your own. And I'm going to go on record because um, I'm authentically in my we just had a conversation about how blackity black Atlanta is earlier today. <laughs> is is that one of my biggest things I feel like we will all have done what we did is when we help people in the culture learn that other cultures aren't doing everything by themselves. Facts. That the fact that we are restricting ourselves to what we can do as a single human being without any help is what's putting putting all of us behind the eight ball and also is becoming such an energetic and capacity capacity drain because a lot of folks aren't using all of their capacity to little, literally muscle through everything by themselves. Like they're one ant trying to get the whole picnic contents to the, to the anthill. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really, really big on support. Now, I noticed you talked about your passion now is is really seeing how expansive you can be. Mm-hmm. How did you end up even getting into the cannabis space? So part of that holistic deep dive that I did led me to the discovery of the endocannabinoid system. And so a lot of these holistic practices, uh, mindfulness practices, they all feed the endocannabinoid system. And so, I mean... Healthcare was already a sham. I had already equated healthcare as a sham at that point. Mm-hmm. But then when I discovered that, I was like, oh, that's that nail in the coffin for me. Um, the whole thing is broken. How are we not teaching healthcare providers about the endocannabinoid system? And so, really, I just wanted to be able to tell other people about it, expose you know, the sham that healthcare is by being able to tell them about it. And so it's really been question after question that I'm just trying to answer. How can I expose it? How can I teach people about it? And then it became, how can I empower other healthcare professionals to do something with it? And then it became, how can I cultivate space where you can feel free to communicate and be yourself and align yourself? And so um, what is today was never in my realm of thought at that point. I just wanted a side hustle just to mm-hmm. kind of do something else. <laughs> well, how, how did it feel when you, when you started realizing this, this side hustle is something that you're actually passionate about, not just a side hustle. Um, it, it, it just kind of, it presented itself, right? Like, so we don't know enough about, can- you know what me and cannabis, you know how we relate the stigma, we we connected there like cannabis i call her she that energy we were able to bond through the stigma that people feel because i also felt stigmatized so and that's why i wrote the book stigmatized because as i was kind of moving and getting to know the industry i kept hearing this concept in the cannabis industry where they're like oh yeah because of the stigma nobody wants to hear it's the stigma the stigma the stigma and it's like okay we understand that's a barrier, but how do we overcome that? Right? Like what is, what are the things that we can do to help people hear us? And then I started to realize part of the reason why I wasn't heard 
is because of all the stigmas that that people have against me as a black woman. You know, I am a nurse, which is also an oppressive mm-hmm. role. Like all of these things, I suffered with postpartum uh, uh, postpartum depression, um, being a victim. Like all of those are very oppressive positions to be in, and there's a lot of stigma tied to it where we just we don't talk about it. Right. And so, and those are all the reasons why I felt constricted. And so the passion actually doesn't necessarily lie on the plant, lie on the plant itself. It lies on the connection that I have with it, which is through that stigma. Okay. See who would have guessed that. (laughs) I I don't think it's, I don't think somebody would have pulled that out. They'd be like, she got passionate about cannabis for the, for bonding with the stigma. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like cannabis is one of those things where it's all over the place. And especially it's very different perceptions of cannabis depending on what even medical specialty you're in. Mm-hmm. So as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, I know there's roles for the endocannabinoid system. My kids drive me nuts. Yeah. I need a cannabis card. You, you need to go to school. Um, how about let's get your forming brain together? Yeah. Instead of having your brain totally jacked because you've decided on your own that you like the cannabis and you vape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't even get me on my soapbox. I, I'm like, whoever developed vaping, I wish they would just, I wish you could click like, snap your fingers and vaping disappear. I mean, the same with cigarettes too. Like I, I just don't understand the point. Well, and I, I think the hard thing to me with vaping is especially when they made it so flavorful. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it was like, let's, let's have this be like Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid mm-hmm. flavors is, you know, it's like my kids don't understand why it's a problem. And then it's worse because now some places cannabis are legal. So they're kind of like, oh, we can vape anything. And I'm like, yeah, given your developmental age and what's actually going on with you, you do not have a terminal illness. You yeah. are, you it, know, your, your, your neurologic ill issue isn't something I'm like, mm, mm, but you are making very impulsive, bad decisions. Mm-hmm. This isn't agreeing with you. Yeah. But then they go hard on it. Like. And I'm like, yeah, I, I I don't think the people that are working with this, what you trying to do with it is what people are actually yeah. <laughs> advocating for. Yeah, no, it's a, you said a lot in that, those couple of sentences. So part of it is risk versus benefit, right? Like we, we need to consider the risks and benefits. So for some children out there who maybe suffer from severe seizure disorder, right? The risk I mean, the benefit outweighs the risk, right? You're going to give that child the cannabis so that way they can have a a quality of life so they don't have to have 20 seizures a day, right? That makes sense. Um, The unfortunate thing is that the marketing isn't necessarily translating that or communicating that, right? So it seems from a marketing perspective, and we have to remember cannabis, tobacco, Mm -hmm. all of that, it's, it's a marketing or a capitalistic for-profit endeavor. Right. Right. And so how do you make a profit? You market it and attach it to a message for people to consume. So therefore 
they're inspired to buy your product. And then it just happens to be addictive on top of that. You know, like, so I say all that to say, and and especially with cannabis, we don't know enough about cannabis. So, and I I said it's addictive, but it's more of habit forming compared to tobacco, right? Tobacco, Tobacco is physically addictive versus cannabis being more psychologically habit forming. And so if you don't have intentionality behind it, it can take you down a route that you may not want to be on, right? Um, the issue is, far as access um, and who it's for, I think also gets miscommunicated. Um, there are a ton of patients that can benefit and they should have the right and the choice to mm-hmm. access it. But the people who are actually accessing it... <laughs> be like, it ain't my aunt with cancer. <laughs> You know, and so, and I still respect the right to choose, right? Like, especially as adults, we Mm -hmm. still have the right to choose. You might have a drink, you might have a cocktail, you might decide to roll a joint. I mean, it's it's still a choice, but I think there's a responsible choice that can be had. And that requires a little bit more understanding of what you're choosing and how you're choosing to consume it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're bringing up a huge point. Which is also part of the reasons, well, I'm in the world of everyone that self-medicates anyway because I'm a psychiatrist. Um, and, and some of it is just purely because there are, our system for mental health is real janky sometimes. So just accessing. So I feel like there are times where people are looking for any solution yeah. because it's harder to get to some of us. Um, but I, I, I think what's what's complicated and difficult is is that there's a multitude of interventions for different things. And ideally for anything that we can have, naturally there are plenty of people who are sick. I don't need everybody to be sick forever. Yeah. I'll, I'll need to get money off you forever just cause. Uh, is that there are times when the underlying issue isn't actually addressed that then you're not going to get a long standing result. Right. You know, and, and there are other things other than people, people self-medicate with a wide variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, I do agree that, you know, a lot, there are different things in medicine that have their place and things that are holistic that have their place. And one of the biggest things is really just knowing skilled people that use things appropriately and have a knowledge base wide enough um, to be able to do things that are safe yeah. and helpful. Yeah. Because there are things that we can do that are safe that aren't helpful. There are things that people feel like are helpful that aren't safe. Do that. that. That's a fact. You know, and and that that still goes back to the conversation we are having about self-awareness too, right? Like, because a a lot of people are navigating life through an unclear lens, like they don't really know mm-hmm. what's what. They don't know how we got here. They don't know, you know, how they're. Be- they don't. They, there's just an unclear awareness, and then you introduce something that has, you know, a physiological effect in your body. How can you recognize if it's working, right? Or if that's actually something that benefits you, right? Because as practitioners, we're outside of them giving them guidance, you know, prescribing or whatever, but it's up to the individual to be able to recognize 
how that's working for them, right? For for some mm-hmm. SSRIs, that works. For some SSRIs, just don't. It's so many people who will continue to take SSRIs and not seeing the benefit. They're not getting what they need out of the medicine, but they're taking it because somebody told them to. And so for a lot of consumers, cannabis consumers, you're kind of finding them doing something very similar where they're consuming it. It probably makes them feel good, but maybe it's not addressing the actual issue because they don't recognize what the actual issue is. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you forever, but at some point. (laughs) We got to end some point. (laughs) I mean, at some point you got a, you got a life other than sitting up with me on this podcast. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. I think this is a great uh, a great place to transition, um, but I do definitely want to piggyback on the fact that part of the reason we have a lot of these conversations that are going to be at the at the center of them to be able to be better, do better, and live better is being able to have the information necessary to be able to advocate for yourself. Yeah, and to put you in the best place to have your voice, so that when you need to advocate for yourself or you need someone to be with you to help advocate for you that everyone has the amount of information to be effectively advocates. Yeah. I don't know how many times I just said advocate, advocate. But you got to do it though. It doesn't matter. You got to do it. All of the advocates. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is, is that being able to really effectively advocate for yourself to get what you actually need makes a huge difference in quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But now we're going to speed round. You ready? All right, let's go. All right. Listen up. She's been giving really cool answers, so I know these are going to be interesting. <laughs> so what is the best compliment that you've ever received? Um, my relatability. People tell me often how relatable I am when I connect with them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I didn't recognize early on. And so now when I hear it, like, it doesn't matter how many times I hear it now. I get so excited. Oh, yay. Yeah. I wish you all could see the big, beautiful smile she has. It's just like, <laughs> I was like, I believe that's the biggest smile I've seen. Secondary to the 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 freedom portion of the conversation that made me think of Beyonce's song, Freedom, and Kendrick Lamar jumping around I the stage. I love that song. I love that song. Girl, Beyonce's been all in my timeline. Ooh. Are you going to the concert? A nah, dog. Oh. I got to build a new website. Okay, got it. Beyonce's money is going to my medical practice. I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I, I I will hope she makes another Netflix special. If not, I will listen to Cuff It dance around my house. Mm-hmm. I will have my Renaissance moment, and then I'll just watch Homecoming again. How about that? How about that? And when everybody else goes, I'm sure they'll post it on social media. It'll be like you were there. I mean, and the thing is, is I want everyone to get all the joy. Yeah. So while they are doing that, I will probably be on my couch watching Korean dramas that bring me a lot of joy. I, I watch Korean dramas and eat at least one meal with chopsticks every day. Oh, I love that. 
Ooh. Shout out to my aunt from Taiwan. Ooh. That sounds so scintillating for so many reasons. <laughs> I mean, I get to experiment with different ways to do veggies and mm-hmm. stuff and different noodles. I mean, it really is totally fun. Oh, I like it. The only thing is a little time sucks sometimes because when I watch the ones that are not dubbed into English, you can't do anything else but watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're kind of held hostage. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But it has been enjoyable. But this isn't about me. It's about you. Okay. <laughs> what is one piece of advice that you tell your younger self? Um, Sis, relax. Ooh. Relax. Yes. She, Say that one more time. Sis, relax. She was high strung. Oh, geez. Poor baby. I just finished reading um, Rest is Resistance. <laughs> Yes, yes. So I, I am down for the sis relax. Yeah, yeah. The last one is what's your superpower? My empathy. Well, that's a great one. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. And that's another one where for a long time I thought it was a problem because my emotions are all over the place and I feel them and I can connect with you and all these things. And then, um, so I would try and figure out how Mm. to keep it in that box. And then I realized like, no, that's the thing that makes me special. That's why you, you think I'm relatable. Indeed. But see, you, you brought out a huge point and this is something I will remind empaths that I'm, I'm an empath also, but I'm very lucky that, um, being a psychiatrist, I have had additional training. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons we actually, um, you can sound really cool if you talk to one of us that are in mental health and you talk about supervision. Yeah. And, and part of the things we learn in supervision is how when being empathic to not absorb other people's emotions. Yeah. And that's a that's a real skill. Because that's that's the part that makes it an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. is if I look at it kind of like meditation. When you're meditating, if you have a thought that isn't related to it, the ideal is for the thought to flow through you. You know, I I need skin off. Um, I'm about to say free range. I need skin off salmon that was not farm raised on my grocery list. And that's supposed to pass through your head, not stay. Mm-hmm. Is that when you're experiencing other people's emotions or being there for the ideal would be they pass through you not stick to you like glue and hang yeah. in there. Yeah. And if they are hanging in there, it's time to figure out why they're hanging in there. Yeah. I feel like I'm on lots of soap boxes today. <laughs> I take people there. Um, <laughs> I tend to do that. And, you know, and I think if there are any other empaths out there recognizing that it does, there's a lot of energy to allowing yourself be that conduit to let it flow through. So I, I would also feel guilty for feeling tired, for not being mm-hmm. able to have the capacity to take on but so much. Maybe I need a whole show on boundaries. Yeah. I'm here um, for that too. Let me, I can talk a lot about that too. <laughs> let me write that down. <laughs> I feel like it's something that comes up. Aren't they? I'm like, I think we need a show on that. Yeah. So as we've been talking about all the things, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways you want for the peoples? 
Uh, you know what? No, this was just a really enriching conversation. And I love being able to, I guess, show up authentically, but also kind of receive that in return. So I think it's beautiful. Oh, feeling all the love. Yes. You know, I'll give you some of those little internet hearts. Oh, y'all can't see it. I feel like I'm, (laughs) I'm on IG right now. Y'all just can't see it. Um, so where can the people find you if you want to be found? Like there's no, no judgment if you don't want to be found. No, people can find me. Um, Instagram, cannabis nursing solutions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's probably the best way to find me. Uh, you can also go to my website, cannabisnursingschool.com. And okay. then if you want a copy of my book, it's called Stigmatize. You can go to stigmatizethebook.com. All right. I am down for all of this. And if you all see her stuff, you've got to find, there's this picture and I swear, looks like you're wearing a crown. It just I gives am. me life. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I want to wear a crown with my white coat. Yes. I, I, and you know what's surprising? A lot of people will reach out to me and just say like their kid happened to see that picture and they'll say, my kid is so inspired by you because you're like a black princess. And I'm like, that wasn't even my intention. I just felt like I deserved to be a queen. You deserve to be a queen. Air day. <laughs> Air day. Well, thank you. Number one, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Ashley Wynn Grimes. Feeling all the love. I know you have a lot of things to do, a busy life, and with that has rest in it. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that you took some time to pour into me and into all the people at Better Nation. And thanks to all y'all in Better Nation for showing up, not just because, you know, I like seeing you. But also because you showed up for yourself because, you know, that's one of the big things here. So we want you to be better, do better, and live better. And I'm here for all of y'all that are just showing up for everybody. You're showing up for work. You're showing up for friends. You're showing up for your family. You're showing up for your community. And you often don't show up for yourself. So I'm here to put you back in your life and have you show up for yourself some. So my final thought, I've been on a roll. I've told you about these little quote cards I have on my desk that I got from the Target, also known as my favorite store other than the Apple store. And I love the one for today. I feel like it really resonates. It says, each day comes bearing its own gifts. Untie the ribbons. Ruth Mm. Ann, Lord Jesus. This could be pronounced a few ways. So Ruth Ann, if I mess this up, charge it to my head, not my heart. So it looks like Ruth Ann, I don't know if it's Shabaker or Shabaker. It's something. Um. That's how it sounds phonetically. I can't guarantee I didn't do the research to try to figure out how to phonetically say her name. Um, but thank you, Tarjay, for bringing her to my house. Uh, we appreciate Ruth. We we appreciate you, Ruth Ann. We are here for you, Ruth Ann. Yes. But one of the reasons I want to bring that out is there are gifts and wonder hidden in each day. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some days that it feels more like trash. There are going to be some days that just feel great. But one of the one of the wonderful things that help us take movement and to increase our resilience is being able to find the lessons and the joy and the things to feel grateful for on the good days and the janky days. Mm-hmm. 
because there's, I don't know who originally said it. You know, how at times there are things that come out like quotes, but you don't know who originally said it. Mm-hmm. They've just become part of lexicon. And one of those is that you have survived 100% of your rough days or bad days or challenges in the past. Mm-hmm. And since we've had this conversation about resilience and also values and purpose is that I just want to say, untie those ribbons, see what each day has, even if it starts out janky, be open to the fact that it doesn't have to be janky for all of the entire day so that you don't miss the times. It's not janky. And to be able to be self-aware, to be able to, when you feel the distress, figure out if, where the distress is trying to push you because I'm one of those people. This is one of those moments. I just feel it all my spirit and heart to share. I'm one of those people that if I don't listen to what God tells me the first time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God doesn't typically whisper to me twice. I get like one and a half times max of a whisper. After that comes a baseball bat, honey. There's just not a lot in the middle. It's kind of like either you're going to listen to this or you're going to really listen to this because you ain't going to have a choice. And a lot of times distress is a signal for change. And I want you to be able to be quiet enough to untie those ribbons on the gifts of the day to be able to see if you're in a season where the universe is telling you that it's time to change. And sometimes it's not even something as big as, you know, we've been in the pandemic. So, you know, the key word was pivot. Mm-hmm. between pivots and dropping gems. If I never hear dropping gems. Oh, and getting time. bags. You got to get bags too. It's bags. <laughs> Girl. Um, is that sometimes, sometimes the action is simply just getting help. Sometimes the action is sitting your butt down somewhere. It doesn't have to necessarily be you went and got a whole other degree or started a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. But just being open to what action and change is going to bring you the desired result that you're looking for. So that's what I got for you today. I know I I went, I went on some tangents, but that's the great thing about it being my show. I can do whatever I want it. Hallelujah. Um, Hopefully you like when I do (laughs) whatever I decide I feel like doing, (laughs) but all of that to say is that, I'm blessed to be able to spend this time with you and I do not take it lightly that I, I do feel like it's a blessing. It does fill up my love tank. So thanks to all of you for filling up my quality time love tank. I've told you all that my primary love language is quality time. And if you like what you hear, I need you to do me a couple favors. One is share. Don't let this be the best keeps kept secret. You can let your Uber driver know your Lyft driver, the person checking you out to front of the grocery store, your best friend, your not-so-best friend, your significant other, your side piece, whoever it is, you can always let them know about Better with Dr. Erica. So you can tell them and you can share it on the socials. The next is if you like what you heard, do me a favor and follow or subscribe. That helps me bring even better content to you. And also, you know, I like dropping the bonuses. That way you get notified of the bonuses. All right, y'all. And the last thing is if you enjoy what you heard, rate and review. It also helps me bring you better content. And it's always nice to know someone actually liked me. You know, I was a little little backwards nerdy kid when I was little. I didn't always, you know, folks thought my glasses were too thick and you know, I I, 
I won't even tell you how my jeans looked. <laughs> I went through this period of wearing Levi's men's jeans because I like baggy jeans and it just, it wasn't cute. But all of that to say is, as we said early, you are valuable, you matter. And I love each and one, every one of you, even if I haven't met you in person, you, I hope you are feeling the love from here. So take your left hand, put on your right arm, take your right hand, put on your left hand or arm. I can't talk. Give yourself a big squeeze unless you are driving, do it later. You deserve a big hug. You deserve some love. And until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.